Hey, Jason, don't forget about the AMT GFMC conference, downtown Atlanta, Georgia, October 11th through the 13th at the Marriott Marquis. Boy, I, I tell you, I keep going back to that site and looking at the, the keynote speakers. Uh, they're going to be talking about policy changes that will affect your business. Yeah, and I was just looking at, you know, what exactly are they going to be talking about as far as the forecasting goes? They're going to have small breakout sessions to talk about the outlooks and the forecasting. They're going to have one on the medical industry, capital spending the energy industry, cutting tool forecast, aerospace, automotive, and then just a general economic forecast. I mean, this is some very actionable information that you can make decisions with. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be pretty high level. It sounds like an absolute great thing for a manufacturing leader to go to. They better hurry up, though, and sign up because it's coming up quick. It's October 11th through the 13th, downtown Atlanta, Georgia, amtonline.org forward slash GFMC. Register now. There's such a crisis in hiring, and you would think that your intuition would say, well, let's lower the bar and get whoever we can in, but it sounds like you're raising the bar, and you're trying to make it more stringent to bring things in, which is, which is what we're doing, and I think that that's the right approach, because if you could bring the right people in, those right people breed more right people, and it probably makes it easier. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Our premise is to equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. So we want to provide free content that help manufacturing leaders elevate their game. So take themselves from where they are now to the next level. And we, as uh, John mentioned, we've gotten 200,000 downloads. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, the... You know, the that was not our original mission. That was mission. not our original mission. I mean, what was our original mission, Jason? Like, if we said if we can get 50 people to listen, we would be happy. Seriously. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, we started this off as um, just, it was like this little experiment. We didn't put too much thought into it. We're like, we're just going to do this, you know, and, and we did it, and um, it's, it's just been great. I mean, I've, I mean, gosh, I've elevated my, my leadership and my game just so much from having other manufacturing leaders on the show. It's been You're a better incredible. speaker now, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mentioned on LinkedIn the other day that I was a little bit nervous about speaking here. I don't usually speak in front of crowds, so. Um, but yeah, I've definitely gotten more comfortable with that. So, good, good. And, well, you know, Jim's a veteran with speaking. Well, I, you know, I'm comfortable with with it, and I, I enjoy it, and I, I like to share. I like to I like to the peer to peer concept of what we're doing with making chips. Absolutely. And and Jason is right. You know, when we originally started out, Jason came to me. In November of 2013, we were on um, Mad, Mad Rocket, Rocket, Mad Rocket, Mad Rocket. Uh, Business Radio, yep. AM, I think it's 6 AM. Yeah, so and Jim, it, Jim was on there talking about social media and manufacturing. I was. And I was on there talking about realizing the vision that you set for your company. And I just, I felt like Jim was very articulate. And, Thank you. And, you know, and, and he would be a great partner. And I've got like 100 ideas a day. And this was just one little idea I floated out there, and Jim just grabbed it and said, let's do it. And I was like... No, he, he, this is what happened. He <laughs> called me and he said, you know, I got to tell you, Jim, I think we really killed that radio, that radio show. Yeah. And he goes, do you know what a podcast is? I'm like, yeah, I, I do. And he goes, do you listen to him? And I said, absolutely not. I, I don't. He goes, well, 
I listen to a lot of podcasts about how many? Uh, gosh, 50 to 100. Okay. Yeah. I listen to zero. Yeah. Well, I listen to one now. Right. But he said, I think I've got I don't a great... I listen to ours. But, he goes, I have yeah. a great idea. And he goes, I think that we should do one based on... There's a on void. Ma- There's a void. Yeah, there is. Yeah, nobody was doing it. Obviously, there was. Right. Because we, we've got a lot of uh, yeah. followers now and a lot of great yeah. people uh, promoting fun. us and advocating for us. Yes. But uh, I want to share with everybody what uh, kind of accolades we've had because, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, get the excitement yeah, going in so, the room. Yeah, so, I mean, we've, we, we just recently, um, a company called um, Apple Rubber, they, they have a popular blog, and they just noticed, noted us as the number one manufacturing podcast, so that, that was interesting. We've been in the Daily Herald, Modern Machine Shop Magazine, Cutting Tool Engineering, Cranes. Uh, IMTS is actually a partner of ours. I don't know if you all know um, the IMTS show. You should. McCormick um, Place quarter, every other yeah, year. Yeah, quarter right. of a billion people go to the IMTS show. They're partnered up with us. They love what we're doing. Just the feedback is the biggest thing. I mean, I love hearing back from other manufacturing leaders that say, I, I love what you're talking about. I'm learning so much. And it's not about like what Jim and I are teaching. It's the people that we have on. Like we're going to have Rich Hoster on today, and he is going to equip and inspire. He knows a few things. He knows, he knows he a few knows a things about things. manufacturing, yeah, he's, right? He's a leader. And, yeah. You know, he knows what he's doing. So he's going to help um, other manufacturing leaders to uh, you know, up their game and, yeah. to, and to look at hiring from a different perspective. Yeah, Jason's right. Well, I mean, we, we independently get emails all the time from, through LinkedIn, through our at makingchips.com. And it's, it's so refreshing to hear people say, wow, we love the podcast. We listen all the time. Um, it's really exciting how, what you guys are doing. And, you know, that kind of gives us an extra push because it's not easy. Jason, Jason and I both run our independent manufacturing companies. So this is, this is our part-time job now. Um, it, we're actually making a little bit of yeah. revenue on it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, we're ready to go forward and hopefully... Um, we can elevate ourselves, this brand, to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. So what we always do on the show is we always talk about a little bit of relevant manufacturing. We do, we do. So, And we think it's important to you know, kind of understand what's going on in the manufacturing world. And so Jim and I want to deliver that type of information. So you want to... So this is the, the typical structure of right. what we do. Uh, when, we, when we start the show, we sit down. And we're going to talk about some relevant manufacturing news. Yes. So um, the the news story that we have for today, which I thought was very interesting, it's it's in the Dayton Daily News, and it's titled Opportunities Endless in Manufacturing. So that's... That's the title yeah. of the um, of the article. It is, and you know how how I get my manufacturing news because a lot of people ask me. You know, I'm I'm pretty relevant on social media, and I'm always reposting manufacturing articles. So what I do, just on a on a daily basis, I have my browser set to uh, default to. Google manufacturing news, and every day I scroll through, and when I see a relevant manufacturing article, I just grab the URL and I retweet it either on LinkedIn or um, Twitter or anything else. Jim is constantly on his phone. I'm not I constant. Mean, oh, I'm not on my phone. You're the guy on your well, phone all the time. Not you know, you know he, not me. You're, you're younger, so you you're you're much better at that than I am. It's under his pillow. Yeah, you know, yeah. His wife's always complaining about it. She's like, <laughs> I wish he would just give that phone up. He's married to it. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. But anyway, this article I found in the Dayton Daily News, and it goes on to say that there's more than 2,500 manufacturers in the Dayton region that are looking for the right employees. And as I know, and we're going to hear from Rich today, finding skilled people in manufacturing is extremely difficult. So I, I saw this. I thought it was relevant. I thought it was something that we could talk a little bit about today. And what they say is there's a new alliance that they just started in the Dayton area to help companies 
in that particular search. Yeah, so it's called the Graduation Alliance. Graduation Alliance. And it's a partnership with the Dayton Region Manufacturers Association. So much like a lot of the manufacturing associations that we, we know about. And the, um, the intention is to give these Dayton area residents an opportunity. Um, so this means an opportunity just in their career. So instead of them having like a job at, you know, in retail or just somewhere else that is just not going to be something that's going to be a good career to help out their families in the long term. Um, they want to give the Dayton area residents a, a new opportunity in manufacturing so they can earn the qualifications to begin this career in manufacturing. So it's specifically for entry level positions. It is. Well, let me tell you, there, there's very few skilled people out there. So, yeah, we, have so we, to need train. A, we need to train them. Yeah. And what I liked about the program is it's completely administered online um, and it includes certification necessary to work in a manufacturing environment. Uh, so they, they go online, they get that certification, and it carries through with them through their entire career. You know, you hear about all of these people going to college for four years, paying $100,000 to go to college with some, you know, obscure degree and, you know, um, needlework or something like that. And I've never heard of that one well, before. Well, I think it's, yeah. I think it's, I think you can get a, uh, undergraduate degree in, in needlework. Okay. Sure. Okay. But anyway, so when you, when you get that undergraduate degree in needlework, like you, you're not guaranteed an interview. Like where, where would you go to get an interview? You know, I mean, so, uh, who knows exactly. Hobby so, Lobby. Yeah. Hobby Lobby. Okay. Maybe. So, but through this certification program um, in the Graduation Alliance, they guarantee an interview. So you go through this process and they guarantee, because they're working with the manufacturers, that they are going to put you in front of a manufacturing leader that is looking to hire. That's awesome. I mean, think about that. You're guaranteed an interview. You're yeah. sitting face to face. Yeah. All I have to do is complete the yeah. certification. I get an interview. Hopefully, they'll go to the Making so. Chips TV and talk and listen to the one where I, I tell about idea. interviewing tips. There you go. So, yeah, the curriculum is recognized by manufacturers across the entire country. The focus is on safety, quality, manufacturing, production, and maintenance to lead and to sustain an ongoing career with good wages and benefits. Who doesn't want that? Right. You know, it, when I read that, it sounds like the old school way. I've been in this industry for over 30 years, and I remember time. it's a long time. So I remember years ago when there was a lot of manufacturing jobs and a lot of skilled people out there that everyone went to manufacturing. Why? Because the wages were high, the benefits were good. It was a, You could sustain a long career in manufacturing. Somewhere along the line, and we could talk about that forever, we got away from that. But what I'm hearing again, it's like it's reverberating again. It's coming back. Every, it's coming back, yeah. you know. So when I hear safety, quality, manufacturing, production, good benefits. Technology, I mean, all, all that stuff. All the reasons why we got into it before is one of the reasons they should get back into it again. So once again, this is about taking people entry level in manufacturing. This is about elevating their lives. So one of the things that Jim and I talk about a lot on this show is how do we elevate manufacturing leaders? How do we do that? Well, we do that by equipping and inspiring them and by our guests such as Rich equipping and inspiring them. So what this is going to do is those manufacturing leaders, we want to see them elevate the lives of other people out there so that they can see a long-term plan for themselves that's more of a career than a job. It's going to, you know, it's going to help their families. It's going to just be, you know, give them more satisfaction when they come home at night. You don't want to have a job. You want to have a career. You want to have something that, you know, kind of energizes you just like, you know, you and I get energized when we go into work. And I know that you do. I do. Um, so one of the other things that I love about this, and I would, I would encourage everybody to go to their website. They have a phenomenal website. It's really clear on what they do. I believe in. I did not go to the site yet. Did okay. you go to it? I, I did. I yeah. believe in. Clear, what, what is the URL? I, it, it's Dayton.manufacturing.com. 
manufacturingjobstoday.com. And it clearly communicates who they're talking to and the benefits that they're going to receive through the program. So it's for entry-level careers in manufacturing. So I love clear communications. You're going to get that from this website. I would encourage all the manufacturing leaders out there to you know, look at this. Is this a model that I could do myself? Absolutely. So based on what I read is, is what you can expect. Wages starting from 10 to $14 an hour with benefits. No experience is required. They're all entry-level positions. Paid on-the-job training will be provided. Career advancement potential. We all know about that. Yeah, because you don't want to stay at 10 to 14. You want to move up from Let's there. Move but, up. but for yeah. somebody that doesn't have that opportunity now, this is a great place to start. If they have all the key characteristics of what it's like to be in the industry, it's a great place for them to start. Uh, good working conditions. It's not your father's machine shop anymore. Our shops don't look like the way they did 20 years ago. Yep. We're clean. We're highly technological. We're 5 uh, You know, it, it, It's a state-of-the-art facility. Yeah. I mean, so Am I qualified? I, well, you, do you have your GED? I do. Well, that's. I've got a high school education. I think, I think that that's the And I'm over 18. Right. And you're a U.S. citizen. I am. So that's, that's all you need. So, yeah. yeah. So, should we bring our special guest? I don't know. Should we? I yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah. He's sitting out there waiting for us. <laughs> but anyway, we do have Rich Hoster here with us today. Um, Rich is uh, a peer and a friend of ours. Uh, he's on the uh, TMA uh, board of directors with us. Uh, he's a pretty smart guy. Um, and I just want to read you his bio before we welcome him on stage. Uh, Rich Hoster is president and CEO of Smith & Richardson, Inc., located in Geneva, Illinois, which is a wholly owned subsidiary in China. Smith & Richardson is a manufacturer of mis- precision machined, slide-formed and stamped parts for the aerospace, casting, hydraulics, medical, military, sporting recreation, transportation, as well as other industries. Uh, currently in his 30th year with Smith & Richardson, with 22 as part owner of the business. Rich is the past chairman of the board of the VIA and past president of the PMPA, all these acronyms, you know, uh, and also currently serves on the PMPA Finance Committee and TMA board as treasurer, as well as advisory roles for educational partnerships. Rich is an active participant in government affairs activities in Washington, D.C., promoting policies and objectives that support and help U.S. manufacturers compete globally. His active participation in many associations has helped him grow Smith & Richardson's business domestically as well as globally. Rich, why don't you come on stage and why don't we get a round of applause for Rich? Welcome. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Rich, why don't you start out by giving us a brief elevator pitch, if you will, for Smith & Richardson, you know, what it's all about. Well, Smith & Richardson is a precision machine products manufacturer, uh, slide forming, stamping. Uh, We make parts for the aerospace industry. Very, very tight tolerance, hard to machine parts, parts that you touch and see in your everyday life. If you end up in a hospital, if you end up on an airplane. Uh, we do parts that uh, change people's lives. Awesome. Love it. And how did you get started in manufacturing? Well, my partner's father actually hired me back in 1986 Don't or say seven. It. Yeah. A long, long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. And um, I was actually working. I graduated with a, uh, a business and engineering degree out of the University of Tulsa. Okay. 
and uh, he gave me an opportunity to do a lot of different things at Smith and Richardson, and that's how I got started in manufacturing. Great, great. So, what 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 is the history of the company then? Why don't you give us like a timeline and who it was founded by? And yeah, where does the Smith and Richardson come from? Yeah, well, there was at one time a Smith and Richardson. In fact, I think the day I was coming in, uh, the last uh, Richardson was uh, was leaving. Um, but uh, it was founded back in 1921 oh, wow. uh, by a, a, no, a Smith and a Close to a 100-year-old company it's already. It's close to 100 years wow. old. Wow. Um, it was founded back then as a chaplet manufacturer. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, explain what that chaplets is. Chaplets are, you know, a lot of people don't know about them. It's, uh, they're metal spacers used in the sand casting industry. So uh, yeah, I know, what, I know what sand castings are because, you know, we at Car Machine machine sand castings occasionally. They're a support. Uh, you're not going to like them if you machine them. No, I don't. Them, I, just, I, I, try, I try to move right. away from sand castings. But uh, it's a support used to keep a core from shifting, moving, or floating. So it's a consumable. Turbocharger housings, manifolds, uh, sidecar frames on rail cars, uh, knuckles, couplers, uh, class 8 trucks, uh, and a lot of the engine components. There's a lot of chaplets used. Sure. Uh, those are probably the biggest industries. So they're a support. Uh, they become part of that casting wall. And whether you make a good casting or bad casting, you've got to buy a chaplet. We made about uh, 40 million of them last year. Great. Wow. How, did those, how did those get machined back in the 20s? Well, they're not really machined. They're, okay. they're, Forged. they're, they're basically an assembled, uh, they're a stamped product, okay. which is what got us into the stamping business. Okay. So it's kind of a, a stamped assembly. So uh, we're basically combining wire with, uh, with slit coil and uh, assembling them. A lot of people uh, would say they look like a sewing machine bobbin, and probably not too many people even know what sewing machine bobbins are anymore. But they look it's, pretty similar Is it about that size, that. about that diameter? Uh, there's about 3,500 different shapes, sizes, no configurations, uh-huh. but uh, some of the smallest are maybe about that big, and the biggest uh, I think that we've ever made is three or four inches tall. And uh, So that was, the, that was the foundation of the company. That's where it all started. That's what the company started on back 1920. in 1921. Okay, so bring um, us through quickly. Back in yeah, back <laughs> 100 in, years. Well, we'll skip right to 1986 is when we actually purchased a, uh, a machining company uh, in Elk Grove Village, uh, moved that business into the Geneva operation, and uh, since that point in time, we've been diversifying and growing uh, the machining business. And that's been our focus of growth domestically. I see, I see. So a- as you know, all of the pain points that we have during operating our manufacturing companies, the biggest one we're having right now is a skilled labor shortage. There's unequivocally, that is our number one problem. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing to mitigate that with Smith & Richardson, and um, where do you see successes in, in looking for skilled labor? Or, or, well, and even for retention, is that... We, a, a little of both. I'll, st- I'll start with the things we're doing to try and mitigate it. We, okay. we have got uh, behavior, we use a behavioral index called the Acumax Index. There's quite a few of them out there, but one of the things that we, we do is we set up a profile for each position. And the reason we set up that profile is we want the employee to be as successful as possible in that position. And if we can, if we can develop a profile for a job, and we can basically survey to find out if you meet that profile, we find that your long-term potential of satisfaction and career development will be much greater if you meet that profile. So we develop that profile. Before we even interview, we send out the survey. And this does make it a lot more difficult uh, at times because you know the skilled labor is in tight demand. Huge. But we truly believe as part of our culture that you need to meet that behavioral profile. 
There's no right or wrong profile. You've got one, I've got one, Jason's got one. Absolutely. Um, they're all, they could all be different. We could have some similar, similar characteristics. And we look for people who actually meet that profile first. The other thing we do is look for cultural fit. Um, about a year ago, we started to, we wanted to measure our corporate culture. So we went out and found an index that would measure culture, and, and it was actually quite uh, uh, eye-opening, uh, somewhat disappointing. Yeah. Um, Share with us. We yeah. actually measured, uh, wanted to measure net promoter score, and for those of you who may or may not know what a net promoter score I is. I don't know what it is. Tell that, explain that how to many, me. How many of you people are likely to, and it's usually used in a customer perspective, how many of your customers are going to recommend you uh, to another customer or another potential customer? So in this case, it would be, would you recommend your friends and your family to work at Smith & Richardson? Correct. Okay. And, you know, we got the results back, and uh, we sent the survey out to all employees, and, and uh, we've got about a 63% response rate, which we were told was pretty good. The number of individuals who, who basically would recommend was relatively low. So we, we knew at that point in time we needed to work on what in our culture is not right. Yeah, I mean, the best thing that you can do at that point is know where you are. Mm -hmm. You know, in order to make changes, you need to know where you are right now. Yes. And that's great that you guys did that, so even, we, if, even though it was disappointing. It, it was disappointing. We developed this baseline, and we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to put objectives in place that are going to move us to a better place, move it so that we've got more individuals willing to promote us as, as a great place to work uh, to their friends, family, uh, colleagues. So um, we started our monthly cultural lunches, and, and the management team actually runs these. And what we found was that our, uh, our, our manager's expectations and our employees' expectations weren't aligned. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of things to start to work to align those. And, and you know, management had one idea of, of the message they were giving, and the employees were hearing it a different way. So we now have monthly cultural lunches, and we do a lot of group activities in those, uh, in those lunches, uh, such as being blindfolded and, and trying to develop a square with you know, 40 employees, which is always a challenge. Uh, but it, it's brought the team closer together. Do you well, do trust falls? Uh, we have not done trust falls yet, but I, yeah, frankly, I'm not, I'm not the one who's put all these together. Uh, my management team is the one who's put all these activities you're gonna, together. You're going to walk into one of those meetings and yeah. everyone's going to go, trust falls. Yeah. And, you know, and, I, and I'm, here you're gonna, there. I'm a little nervous because I, you know, I, I don't know. I may fall back and someone might not catch me. But, uh, but no, they, they developed these. I don't know what they're going to do prior to, this, uh, prior to the launch. All right. um, and they've done a great job developing this and, and promoting the culture. And since that point in time, we've resurveyed, and we're going to resurvey annually. And our net promoter score has jumped dramatically. That's right? awesome. Um, so, so obviously, we feel those cultural tasks that we're doing are having a great effect on the organization. So that's that's one of the things sure. along with. Would the you repeat? It, it's called the Echo Pulse Index. It's the Echo Pulse Index. We actually the reason we used it is we're using this Acumax Index and it's a behavioral uh, survey. Mm -hmm. uh, it can combine with that behavioral survey to basically make sure that the message that's being sent is consistent. Right. So you know I'm my profile on that index. I'm a highest A, which means my ideas are the best. Of course. Um, and so they're, are and they're, right, and they're not always, but I've got a low B, which means I'm, I internalize all my thoughts. I'm not, I'm not an extremely social person. doesn't mean you can't socialize. doesn't mean you can't talk, but it means you internalize all your thoughts, ideas, uh, instead of bouncing them off of other people. Uh, I've got a very low C, which means I've got to be juggling a, a thousand different things at once or I'm not happy. 
I feel like I have some similarities I, with, with, with your profile. I, I totally agree with that, knowing Jason. <laughs> and then, and then on the, the D drive, which is your attention to details, is high. Okay. And most people in the manufacturing world have, a, you know, have that high D profile because we need people with somewhat attention to detail. Right. A salesperson who does you know, cold calling all day long probably has a very low D. So, so that's how we use that and combined it with the Echo Pulse Index to, to measure our cultural index and make sure that uh, we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. It's interesting that there's such a crisis in hiring people in the manufacturing industry, and you would think that your intuition would say, well, let's lower the bar and get whoever we can in, but it sounds like you're raising the bar, you know, and you're trying to make it more stringent to bring things in, which is, which is what we're doing, and I think that that's the right approach because if you could bring the right people in, those right people breed more right people, and it probably makes it easier. Is totally. That your, is that your thought process there? It, that is. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do because natural instinct is I need a body. Yeah. I need somebody to do this job. Uh, you know, we can't grow without people. Uh, let's just put people in place. And uh, that's one thing that, you know, we've, we've tried to stay on the path. And, you know, every once in a while, you know, I've got a, a production manager, a great guy, but every once in a while he wants to get something out the door, his natural instinct is to want to try and deviate from mm -hmm. that course. But mm -hmm. uh, we, we stay on that path and we feel it gives us better results. Yeah. Um, so my, my understanding is that you guys have this fantastic program to promote manufacturing amongst middle schoolers. Can you tell us briefly about that, what, what that event is? We actually promote manufacturing amongst ev everybody. Okay. Um, we started with actually the VIA, and it, that's what got us started on this many years ago. They did a career fair out at Wabansee, and I can't remember the first year that was done. It's, it's, been, it's been a long time. So, uh, you know, a great little story. We actually met my, myself and my production manager met a, a student uh, who was interested in manufacturing, and he was kind of going back and forth on the fence. He, uh, he said his mother didn't want him to go into manufacturing, wanted him to go to a four-year school. Heard that and before, yeah. So I remember giving him my card and saying, listen, give this to your mom and have her give me a call. Well, she called, and I was holding the <laughs> phone about this far away from my head because she was, she was screaming at me. Okay. Well, and, and so what was she saying? She thought that I was trying to convince her son to go into a career that was dirty, dead end, and, and he shouldn't do it. It was not in his best interest. Did you invite her in to see your facility? Well, well, I said, obviously, I didn't do a good job because what we said to your son was to give the card to you and have you call us so that we can invite you, your significant other, into our facility yeah. so that we can show you what we're all about. Right. And, uh, you know, you can talk to whoever you want. You can interview our engineers, our setup people. And, uh, you know, just let's see what manufacturing is about. And if it's not a fit, no harm, no foul. Yeah. And everybody goes on their ways. He actually came to work for us. Nice. So it was a, it was a great success story. Um, and I'm sorry, Rich, what grade level did he start? Right after high school? Right after high school. Okay. Um, the gentleman who runs our quality department was another person who, through networking with uh, the, the high schools, a gentleman by the name of Zachary McDonald, he actually started as an intern during the day, uh, coming over for a few hours during classes at uh, St. Charles, and he actually is now running our quality department. That's great. That's great. So, so we've got these outreach programs. Recently, uh, as recently as three weeks ago, we decided to take a leap and, and actually hired a retiring school teacher. So we are, are now employing a, a, a school gentleman. teacher with what skill set? Well, he is actually was the industrial um, there you go. Uh, arts teacher at St. Charles High School. However, I do know some others, and uh, we were up in Wisconsin yesterday talking to a friend who's in the manufacturing world who had done the same thing a couple years back. Uh, this gentleman was not. This gentleman was the mathematics teacher. I feel either would work. Yeah, what, what impact has that had on your business? What did you hire that person for? 
couple things. To start with, uh, we're hiring for community outreach. So one of his tasks is going to be to reach out to the schools, reach out to both you know, the middle schools, high schools, you know, at community colleges. The other thing is to start to develop an internship program for us. You know, we do a lot of training, but we don't feel that we're really good at following up on that training. So he's going to work on both those fronts. Uh, in three weeks, the outreach has been extremely positive. We've got multiple tours set up for Manufacturing Day, both on the 5th and the 6th. Unfortunately for a lot of us in this part of the country, Columbus Day is a four-day weekend at a lot of the schools, so Manufacturing Day, which falls on Friday the 6th, doesn't work real well for a lot of our schools. So we're actually doing those programs on both the 5th and 6th, and Good we've got another one on the 20th. And he's been instrumental in reaching out to a lot of the schools and getting getting through to people that, that we have not been able to get through to in so the So it's just all about his relationships and the doors that he's been able to open. I mean, Jim and I always talk about this. It is all about networking. It's all about relationships and that, that face-to-face interaction that you have. And sometimes you need somebody like a like a school teacher to, to open doors mm-hmm. to, to new students and new, um, new people in, in your shop. Yes. That's great. I know we're under some time constraints, and I've got quite a few questions here for you, and I want to shift gears just a little bit. Uh, What major changes do you see your company has had in the last five years, and what has been impactful, and what are you positively or negatively? You know, technology continues to to improve dramatically, and I think that's been the biggest uh, impactful change we've seen, especially in our quality area. We've automated a lot of the inspection processes, a lot of things we used to do manually, are now done uh, in an automated fashion. Are you uh, using any robotics? We are not. Uh, it's okay. something we've got to start experimenting sure. with. You know, and, and one of the things we see, especially in the robotics side, right. is keeping the younger generation interested. You know, that gets them interested. Th- those are toys they can play exactly, with, and they're toys exactly. that can actually benefit the business long term. Right. You, you guys also, Smith & Richardson has a, um, has a facility in China. Can you tell us briefly about that facility, why you started this uh, facility up in China? Yeah, every time I talk to you, you're always flying over there and back. And How often do you go? Uh, every other month, typically, except yeah. I try and stay away from the summer months because it's, it's too, just too hot. It's unpleasant over there. But uh, I'll be going over there next Wednesday. Uh, we started that facility mainly because the chaplet business in the United States is not a growth business. Mm, it's, okay. it's stagnant. Um, it, we've got... Uh, I would say about 90% of the market in the United States. So we're not going to grow that. So in order to get more longevity out of the equipment that we've got, we started that um, to move the equipment, some of the equipment that was underutilized here over to China. It gave us the ability to duplicate processes. It gave us the ability to get into a growth market because that market's been growing. We grew about 30% there last year. Uh, so it's been great, and that's for sales into a, the Asian continent. Okay, so. so you're not necessarily looking to import products back in the United States. You want to sell into China. That's we are selling into China. Okay. Uh, the okay. vast majority of our business is done in Asia. Okay, is, is, the, is the cost structure in China the same as it is? You know, we always used to hear, you know, it's always less expensive to, to manufacture in China. Do you see that shifting? You know, Good one question. thing setting the business up there did was it, when we sit in front of customers and customers say, hey, I can take this to China and I can get it cheaper. You're like, yeah, you can with me. Well, that, <laughs> that too, that's one thing. But that we also know when somebody's telling a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain things that are cheaper. There are others that are not. I will tell you that our cost structure in China for producing the parts is not much different than our cost structure here. Interesting. No kidding. So, Interesting. Now, wages are much less there, but everything's all relative. But that's rising, right? It's, it's been rising dramatically. Yeah. Because yeah. their quality of life is, is their qu- Their quality of life is constantly increasing. But, you know, you know, a bottle of water here will cost you, you know, $3 in a machine. Right over there, you can buy it for $0.10. Cents. Really? You know, so everything's all relative. 
of course, if you live in Shanghai, you're going to pay New York City prices for housing. Where, uh, where, what, what city in China is your facility? It, it's in Taichang, which Taichang. is uh, northwest of Shanghai. Okay. It's about 40 miles out of the center of the city. And how many square feet is it? It's 15,000 square feet. Okay. And how many pieces of equipment, just so I did it? I... Uh, it's constantly changing. We've got about uh, 20 pieces of equipment nice. in that facility at this point in time. We've got CNC machining over there now. We've got some welding equipment over there, and then some of our chapel equipment. Great. And g- going back to the unskilled labor market, mm-hmm. we were just talking about here domestically, are you seeing that kind of problem there? We are starting to see that issue no there, kidding. too, yes. It is getting, in fact, I was on uh, FaceTime last night with my general manager, and uh, you know, business is getting better, and he said you know, he's looking for more people, and he is having difficulty finding skilled people. Is there, I wonder if their recruitment process is even different. <laughs> <laughs> the recruitment process over there, it, it's much different. There's things you can ask, you can do that you, you could, you'd be in jail for here. Uh, so. I, I would but, imagine. Uh, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no way that it's the same. But uh, there's a lot of technical people being produced over there. A lot of the engineers produced over there, I think, are more single-focused than they are here. Okay. Our engineers here, when we develop good engineers out of our engineering schools here, are multi Cast engineers. They, they can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, engineers in China seem to be more single focused, so there, there's more of a focus on, on one discipline over there than there is here. Sure. So you're a successful manufacturing leader. What do you think has been the most impactful thing in your, your growth as a, as a leader that you would recommend to you know, aspiring leaders or maybe just other um, business owners out there that you know, really want to take their business to the next level? You know, one of the things I tell everybody, especially the younger individuals who work with me, is that network. Um, one of the things I wish I had done at a much younger point in my life was spend more time networking. I could not agree with you more, Rich. I should have started it 15 years ago. Um, I started at about eight, and I, the value that I've received from networking, meeting good people, meeting Jason, yeah. just this outreach project, just, just, it's, you, it's you huge. Just, when, when you put multiple people in a room, you just get so, many, so much more brain work there that you would have you know, by yourself. I mean, yeah. I've gotten so many ideas from other leaders that have helped really just grow my business. I mean, just by asking questions, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, how did you do that? What's your business model look like? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's so important. Yeah, I mean, you know, sharing and networking of ideas, uh, you know, we, we all learn so much from one another. And, totally. you know, a lot of the manufacturing community is very willing to share, even yeah. though we compete with one another. Well, it wasn't like this, wasn't like this years ago. It was right. way more guarded, but mm-hmm. I think definitely people are opening up and talking more about it. So, I, you know, I find that's one of the biggest benefits uh, uh, that anybody can do. And, uh, you know, being part of trade associations, because there's a lot of networking that goes on there. You know, whether it be the VIA, the TMA, the PMPA. I know there might even be some PMA members in here. The Dayton uh, Regional the Dayton, Manufacturers yes. that we talked there about. There you go. Yep. Yeah, yep. Every region should have a manufacturing association where you can get together, have a beer, have a glass of wine, and just share ideas. Yes. You know? Sounds good. Yeah. So, Rich, thank you so much. Yeah. We're running out of time, and we're going to close this out. And uh, can we get a round of applause for Rich Hoster yeah. from Smith & Richardson? Thanks, Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Rich. So anyway, in closing, I, you know, I always say this, I always call this the disclaimer part of uh, our show, and um, wh- whoever we interview, whether it's Stacia Hobson or Nicole Walter or um, Rich, I always feel like I'm, I'm empowered after that particular show, and I, I always feel ready to go out back to my manufacturing company with a little bit more knowledge yeah. and um, just a, a sense of 
being, and I, I you feel that when you do. You I do, you know. and you know, Rich is absolutely right as far as the networking aspect of the of it. I, I've gotten so much out of networking through my peers, through different chambers, associations, trade associations. Jim, that, I can literally identify pieces of my business where I have increased sales, so real dollars that came from a conversation that I had networking with another individual. Like that account, that idea came from that person. And I mean, that's huge. I mean, if you can identify that business right there, and it only comes from talking to other people, asking them their ideas, networking, right. relationships, I it's agree. all there. I agree. So you want to tell uh, people in the audience and people that are listening to this recorded podcast yes. how they can uh, get a hold of us, how they can connect with us to listen to future Yeah, episodes. so the, the best thing to do would be to go to makingchips.com, either slash iTunes if you have an iPhone, or... I don't. I have an Android. Well, then what you would do, Jim, is you would go to makingchips.com slash play. Okay. And there'll be a, um, just a, 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 a I use podcast. podcast player. You just hit, yeah, you just hit play right there and you can listen to it, stream it right through your phone. Yeah. It's that easy. It is that easy. With that, what, is my dad, what did my dad always used to tell me when I was a young man growing up in the business? Well, it's the old, like, what do they call it? Cliché. proverb. If, well, you're how, not making, how, if you're not making chips. You're not making money. Bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips.